Good morning, redeemed saints. Good morning, redeemed sinners. Um, for those of you who missed it on the hanging of the green service, people are wondering why aren't you wearing a kilt? Why aren't you wearing one? The reason is, is because preachers in Scotland wear the Geneva gown, but they also wear what's called clerical tabs, preaching tabs. And these tabs represent the Old and New Covenant, or the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that's why there's two of them. So if you wanted to know, that's why I'm wearing a, a collar and my tabs, and not a kilt. Just, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, there's always one. Well, my friends, it is good to see you this morning, and for some of you, you may be able to tell that I have an accent. And my accent is from Georgia. I grew up in North Georgia. And living in North Georgia gave me ample opportunity to go ambling through the woods and the mountains of North Georgia. And over the years, I have begun, I began to have this close affinity with the rugged Appalachians of Georgia, Tennessee, and Northwestern North Carolina. I particularly loved, loved them in the winter months and the rainy months. There's just a sense of mystery to them. And I also love them in the wintertime when all the leaves have been stripped from the trees and you could see the contours of the hills and mountains themselves. The Blue Ridge and Smoky Mountains were the places I would go and find myself and ponder life. In my early years, I left Mother Church and wandered into Mother Nature. God felt so much larger than the walls of the sanctuary that I grew up in. And the dear reverend who was pastor of the church I belonged to was a nice guy. But he looked and acted the part as though he was drafted from Disney casting. Tall, good-looking, silver-haired. He was too polished. He was too perfect. My life was a mess. And I needed to know that pastor knew what a mess meant. I needed something more than a spit-and-polished pastor, and I needed more than a congregation who tried to outdo themselves in wearing their Sunday best. My heart was yearning for something more as a young man, something larger, something wilder. The southern Appalachian mountains and woods became to me this vast, great cathedral where an untamed and whimsical spirit lived, taught, and played. The older I became, I learned the stories of the local people, 
And I learned that for the Cherokee, they had a name for the Smoky Mountains and for the beloved Blue Ridge. They referred to the area as the Thundering Mountains. The Thundering Mountains. If you wanted to be stripped of yourself and come face to face with God, you wandered and spent time in the thundering mountains. It was the great cathedral of the thundering mountains that I encountered God who brought me back to the church with a larger vision of what church could be and with a larger vision of what a pastor can be. In retrospect, I think it's why I connected to Jesus. You see, Jesus spent a lot of time in the mountains. He spent a lot of time in the wilderness. He took off and headed into the wilderness, into the mountains to to get away from the people and to encounter a wild and whimsical God who had not been domesticated by all the religious leaders of his day. It was there in the wilderness that Jesus' faith was forged through prayer and temptation as well as through solitude and discipline. Jesus knew, however, that you can't stay in the thundering mountains forever. You have to come down off the mountains and re-engage the real world down in the valley. You have to come down from the thundering mountain and engage in work. This is where we pick up in our story today. This is what's happening with Jesus. Jesus and the disciples have gone up a mountain. They've gone, they've climbed the mountain, they've been to their thundering mountain, and it is there, it was there that Jesus chose the twelve apostles and said, you, 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 come. You're going to be apostles. And this is what happens next. Hear the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 17 through 26. Jesus came down with the apostles, and he stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear Jesus and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch Jesus, for power came out of him and he healed all of them. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they revile you, when they defame you on account of the Son of Man. 
Rejoice. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now. You will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you. For that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Very difficult word of the Lord. I love it. Jesus came down with them and looked up. It's a great, great image. He came down with them and then looked up at them. Very unassuming words, but they are powerful words in their explanation of who Jesus was and what Jesus was about. Today's scripture from Luke is often referred to as the Sermon on the Plain. The Sermon on the Plain. In Matthew 5-7, through we have the Sermon on the Mount. And we have several Beatitudes in Matthew 5-7. through And if you haven't compared these two stories, the Sermon on the Plain from today and Matthew 5 and 7, I encourage you to do so. They are similar, but they are way different. You see, Matthew has Jesus going up the mountain and sitting down, and people were flowing up the mountain to learn from him. He was sitting down in the position of being the rabbi in charge and teaching. And he would look down at the multitudes that had gathered below, and his voice would carry over the rolling hill. In Luke, however, Jesus comes down from the mountain and then wades into the midst of the people who are waiting for him. In Matthew, the Beatitudes are, are phrased in spiritual overtones like, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the gentle in spirit, for they will inherit the earth. Luke's version of the Beatitudes are more down to earth and a little more raw. Luke doesn't spiritualize the Beatitudes like Matthew does. No. Luke keeps it real and in the present tense. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry, you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now. You shall laugh. Gone are the generalities of Matthew where Jesus speaks non-specifically and says, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers. Luke contextualizes these beatitudes and adds it a 
second person plural. He talks to you, you all, y'all. And when he does that in Luke's gospel, it becomes very real and it grounds us immediately in the moment. Now in Matthew, the crowd, as he goes up the mountain on the Sermon on the Mount, the crowd is, are a bunch of disciples that are flocking to hear Jesus. In Luke, however, the crowd is composed of not only his disciples, but also all these looky-loos from around a 60-mile radius from where he was in the northwestern part of the Sea of Galilee. Whereas in Matthew, we would say Jesus has been preaching. In Luke's version, Jesus is moving in, out and among the people, healing, not sitting, healing, curing, casting out. Jesus is in the midst of the people. And Luke grounds Jesus' beatitudes to what he was doing right then and there at that time. For Luke, the healing and compassion lavished on the people preclude any sermon that Jesus would give. The image we have of Jesus is one of kneeling down in the midst of the crowd, healing people, holding the hand of an older man or woman. We can see him looking in the faces of those who are sick. Yes, this is where Jesus was. And then as he looked, as he's on the ground, he looks up to his disciples and said, Hey, blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you if you're hungry. Blessed be these people who are emotionally rent and spent. Blessed are all of these folk who are reviled by neighbors. And Jesus is looking up at his disciples as he's ministering to the crowds. In Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, Jesus seems to be comparing and contrasting Jewish law and tradition. And he does it beautifully. He's comparing and contrasting Jewish law and tradition with how God really intended the law and tradition should have been interpreted and lived out. In Luke's Sermon on the Plain, however, Luke does something totally different. Luke goes on to add a list of woes <laughs> to contrast his list of blessings. There are no woes in the Beatitudes in Matthew's Gospel. And this is where Jesus goes from preaching to meddling. Woe to you who are rich now. Woe to you who are full and happy now. Woe to you who are laughing now. 
<laughs> Woe to you when people speak well of you and you think you're at the top of your game. Now let's get something straight. Jesus' rhetorical use of naming opposites of blessings and woes is not his way of celebrating poverty, and neither is he saying that to be rich is a bad thing in and of itself. What Jesus is saying, however, <laughs> is that the family of God, all y'all, the family of God includes everybody, the poor and the rich, the hungry and the sated, the grieving and the mirthful, those of ill repute and those of high social status. The church has it all. And he's reminding you and me, church, that those of us who are on the positive side of the equation have a responsibility to model Jesus' habits and wade into the crowd on the plane. Start touching people. Curing people. We are to wade into the mist of the poor, wade into the mist of the hungry, wade into the mist of the broken, and wade into the mist of the reviled and minister to where they are. The Sermon on the Plain. The Sermon on the Plain, whereas Matthew's Sermon on the Mount makes you feel good, the Sermon on the Plain in today's text jolts you. It forces us out of our complacency and our own sense of self-satisfaction with our life. Jesus is challenging the ancient Jewish notion that those who experience ease and prosperity are more blessed by God than others. If you were rich, famous, successful, you were blessed. If you were poor, hungry, and reviled, you must have done something to really get God angry. And Jesus is turning that on its head. Jesus is demanding that we as his followers understand that God is a God of the underdog. God is a God of the underdog. So this evening's game, God is rooting for the Bengals. For sure. God will always, God will always side and care and stand with the poor, the hungry, the broken, the reviled. That's what Jesus is saying. The whole point on the Sermon of the Plain <laughs> is that we, sisters and brothers, the church, are to come down off those thundering mountains and back into the common world of the mundane where people hurt and live and die. Jesus kneeling, healing, caring, 
looks up at his disciples and provides them blessings and woes. Another way to hear that is that Jesus provides his disciples with blessings and with wake-ups. With wake-ups. Wake up, those of you who are rich. Wake up, those of you who are full and stuffed with food. Wake up, all of you who are frolicking in all the pleasures of the good life of the 21st century with all your gadgets and stuff. Wake up. All of you who are self-satisfied with your high reputations and class status, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Come down from the thundering mountain, beloved. Wake up. And slide into the masses and heal. Friends, those who have ears, let him or her hear. Amen. Pray with me. Mighty God. Thank you for the Sermon on the Plains, Wake Up. Thank you, O Lord, that you come to where we are. You hang out with the best and the worst, the cleanest and the dirtiest, the most humble and the most prideful. But Lord, you come. Enable us as your church in Fort Lauderdale, Broward, and beyond to wade into our world and be the hands and feet of Jesus to the hungry, to the poor, to the reviled. Help us, Jesus. Amen. I invite you to stand. Let's sing our closing hymn.